0: Welcome to The Last Burn, presented by Peak Sports Talk. On today's episode, I will break down Tennessee Titans' win over the Chargers, Ryan Tannehill's debut, we'll talk about Jeffrey Simmons, Mike Vrabel's coaching decisions, preview some Titans and Bucks action, and then transition to our final segment where we'll talk about some NFL topics before we finish with our peak picks. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we're going to jump right in with some Tennessee Titans topic. As you know, I'm a huge Titans fan. You can follow me at Peak Shea on Twitter. Um, been real torn about the whole situation going on in Nashville. Um, I feel, I feel still tied to Marcus Mariota. Um, it, it doesn't feel real, I would say. Um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, depending on how you take it. I think this is the direction the team needs to go with the decision to start Ryan Tannehill moving forward. Um, First of all, I want to just give my opinion on why I think no Marcus um, has been such a difficult transition for this fan base and why it has split this fan base. Um, At the end of the day, Marcus Mariota is probably one of the best people that walk this earth. Like, when when you have, if you were going to have a kid, you were like, man, I want my kid to be like Marcus Mariota. And he's really easy to pull for. As a fan, he is, um, he's he's a player that you get behind. And you can kind of see that in the locker room. That Titans locker room is really, they were, they've always been behind Marcus. Um, I think primarily that's what has made this a tough decision, even for the coaches. And... It's no it's no question. Marcus has not been playing well. Um, I haven't seen him play well since the Patriots game last year. Um, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of like he has a little pocket PTSD. Um, it's just not the Marcus that we've grown to know. Um, something has happened or something happened to his confidence in, in that Christmas Eve game against Jacksonville when he broke his leg he's been different ever since that play um, I guess that's what the disappointing part is is because we saw as a fan base we saw flashes of an of a potential elite franchise quarterback and then he came back the following year and played well and won the playoff game and then um, there's been no progress um, for him since he's taken o- since Mike Vrabel's taken over, and that could be part of it—the offensive coordinator, new system, um, same verbiage this year. But still, there's a transition period. Um, I was under the Im- the impression going into the season that this is Marcus's season, no matter what. Paying twenty million dollars, picked up his fifth year option. He gets the whole year regardless of what happens to um, him unless injury. And it seems like it seemed like the, for the first six weeks, that was an issue that he solved. Picking up that weight, there was no injury issues or anything like that. The issue was decisiveness. Rabel talks a lot about being efficient, um, controlling, being con- in control of the offense. Um, and too often sometimes back there, um, there's plays to be made and the ball doesn't come out. And there's no decisiveness, and so in the Denver game they went with Tannehill, and no points were put up the board. Um, the offensive line was atrocious in that game, and then once they made that decision to go with Tannehill, you can't go back. Um, I don't. I think it's we're at a situation where I think it's best for both parties if they separate, because um, I think it's best for Marcus. I think it's best for the franchise. Um, because I think we've maxed out Marcus's potential with this franchise, and I think for him to get to that next level, he needs something else. He needs some other coaching. He needs to put in, be in a system that uh, builds around him. And I'm just talking about players. I think the Titans did a, real, did a good enough job last couple of years of putting talent around Mariota. I think the issue is the system has never been built for him. I think Marcus is a guy that, in the right system you can absolutely win with but someone has to restore his confidence someone has to help him figure out to be more decisive to be more efficient and it's just not working for this team and the reason it hurts why the there's been such an emotional attachment to marcus is because he's such a good person and he's, he's so easy to pull for i think that has why this this franchise has been so split. I know that's why I was holding on to Marcus, holding on to Mariota, because I one, I saw the flash, but two, he's such a good person. You want good people to succeed, you know? Um, and I think that's what has been what made this decision so difficult. But Ryan Tannehill came in and talk about being everything that Marcus was not doing, throwing the ball to the wide receivers. Trusting your receivers, 50-50 balls, being decisive. Corey Davis might actually be good. That's what we might see with Ryan Tannehill. We're gonna see what Corey Davis brings to the table now. Because Ryan Tannehill is gonna throw him the ball. And he's gonna throw him the ball, whether whether he's open or not. Um I think of that first pass. There was a lot of trust that Tannehill. Had in Corey Davis that he was going to catch that ball. It's a ball that Marcus wouldn't have thrown it right now. Um, and there was a lot of decisiveness. If I look at the touchdown of Corey Davis, I mean, Tannehill gets to the back of his drop and just lets it rip. I mean, on the money. Um, there was a couple other plays where Ryan Tannehill was just, was just on point. He definitely provided that spark that I think Vrabel and the coaching staff was looking for. Now the issue is, and the question that we're gonna find out moving forward is is this spark gonna be a flame that it's continued to keep burning throughout the season? Can this team can this team finally stack wins together? Um because from what we've seen in the past, this team isn't gonna be able to stack stack wins together. Um the first part of this team's schedule was a schedule where I, I talked about if this team really wants to go from good to great, they had to win the early part of the schedule, especially with the division games that they started off with, um, hosting the Colts, then going to Jacksonville on that Thursday night. If we look at the first Five weeks of this season, even the six weeks of the season, for this team to be 2-4 and four after six weeks is a big blow. They have a lot of catching up to do. Because now, I mean, there's not really a break in this schedule. Um, with, the, with the inconsistency of this team, I could see this team losing multiple games down the stretch. So, where do they start to stack wins? Because now, The Tampa Bay is coming into town. They go to um, Carolina. And then they host the Chiefs, which maybe that's the game Pat Mahomes comes back. Maybe it's not. But if this team is, is going to make a playoff push, they have to win these next three games. Because they cannot. If they lose one, that's five. And then they have the Texans twice, the Colts, the Jags, the Raiders, and the Saints. The season's over. The season's over. Um, if anything, to, for this team to make a deep push into the playoffs, I think they have to win the next three. I think they have to beat Tampa Bay at home, go to Carolina on the road and beat them, and then return home before the bye and beat Kansas City. Now, there's a chance with these three games as we look as we look at them there's a chance that you know pat mahomes isn't playing the panthers are starting a back up kyle allen there's a chance that cam newton might be back that week maybe a little rust um there's gonna be an opportunity and i think with tampa bay coming into town titans should win this game i think on the roster they they should win this game i think they should win this way going away by by a touchdown um i think they're the they're a better team they clearly have the better defense um and, I mean, they have the better quarterback playing right now. But as we think about the future of this team, there was such a bright spot on Sunday, and that was Jeffrey Simmons' MNFL debut. Um, just wreaked havoc on the Chargers for his 21 snaps that he played. And on the critical goal line stand where they forced a fumble on Melvin Gordon, pushed his guy, pushed that guard back, Two yards at least to get that penetra- penetration that allowed that the crumbling of the front to allow a Wesley Woodyard to come in and make a play. What about Wesley Woodyard? Still making plays. Jayon Brown steps out with an injury. Wesley Woodyard is incredibly valuable to this team because he steps in and there's basically no downgrade. He's not as good as Pass coverage as Jayon is, but when it comes to reading, reading plays, getting players in position, receiving the calls because he has the green dot on his helmet, and he has that capability for him to be able to do that. It's such a valuable piece for them to be able to um, put Wesley Woodyard back in. And there's a, a lot has been talked about with Mike Frabel's decisions um, in this game. I don't, I think he made a good point where the spot doesn't get challenged, or if it gets challenged, it doesn't get changed. Um, the officiating has, they've made a pretty, uh, made it pretty clear, unless it is clear and obvious with the original call is going to stand. However, um, I think Mike Vrabel made a huge coaching mistake on that fourth and one. You are at four, you're, you're up three points. If you're up four, you go for it because a touchdown beats you. You still have, they, You're up three points, and the end result, the Titans won. But to be honest with you, they're pretty—they're very lucky that they won this game. They lose this game, season's over. They're two and five. They're not making the playoffs. Okay. Fourth and one. First off, you're going to go for it. Give Derrick Henry. Give it to Derrick Henry. Trust that he's going to get a yard. And don't do it out of the shotgun. Don't do it out of the wildcat. Get him going downhill. But you made a decision to to run the QB sneak, which I get that. The problem isn't the play. The problem is the decision. You're up three points at midfield, and the other team has no timeouts. And the Titans have the best punter in the league. You punt the ball, and you give your defense the entire field and say, don't give up a field goal. Because what happened is, now the Chargers are at midfield. To get in field goal range with with the way kickers are booming field goals nowadays, they they needed 12, 15 yards to attempt a tying field goal. That's putting your defense in a really tough position. And we know what happened. The Chargers went right down. They scored twice. that were overturned. Thankfully. And then the fumble to bail out Vrabel. Punt the ball. I know it's not the flashy thing. It's not the, oh, rah, rah, let's go for it. Punt the ball. Trust your defense. This is multiple times Vrabel has tried to win the game against the Chargers the last two years on one play. Think of everything that's happened that's preceded that to get you to that point and you put the game at risk for one play punt the ball play defense that's what i would have done i would have punted that ball i have the best punter in the league more than likely it's going to be inside the 10 punt the ball in that situation so as we look to head to titans bucks I know we touched on a little bit um i i think this is a personnel mismatch um, I look at this Titans team and the way this secondary is playing. Um, I think they're going to get Jameis. Jameis is going to throw some, throw some question of balls, leave them up in the air, might be picked. There's going to be opportunities. There's always opportunities. I mean, we know it from the from Jameis' first game against Titans that when him and Mario debuted against one another. First play. First pass of his career, pick six, down the left sideline. Was that Alteron Werner? I think it was Alteron Werner who intercepted that. I think it's a great opportunity for this team to stack a win. To stack a win on top of it. I think that is what this team needs. This team needs to get their head at or above water for that confidence to stack a win if they can't stack wins together then this whole good to great thing doesn't exist it doesn't exist this team has to be able this is a game you have to win back-to-back games at Nissan Stadium at home you have to stack these two games together and win this game because then you're looking at a situation where you're four and four you go to Carolina and then you play a a Kansas City team that's kind of struggling right now and may not have their starting quarterback at home, that's a perfect opportunity to knock them down. We've seen what this Titans team can do when they play great teams. They can play with anyone. Last year with the win over the Eagles, the Pats, they beat multiple playoff teams last year. This team can play with anyone. But unfortunately, part of the problem is I think this team can lose to anyone. I think any given Sunday, they can go out to lose to any team. But I also think they can go out and beat any team. They are they, I think we've talked about them being consistently inconsistent. Well, they need to consistently be consistent and try to win and stack these wins together to build some momentum for their team. Because right now right right now they're, they they got to get to 500 they got to get to 500 and win this game. There is um, no other way around it. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with some uh, more NFL talk as we continue on The Last Burn. All right, welcome back. So we're going to jump into some Patriots talk. Um, I get it, and the Patriots, I think they're the best team in the league. Them and San Francisco are playing so well right now. Um. A lot of people are out there criticizing the Patriots' schedule. Um, let's go through a couple things about the whole schedule NFL thing. The Patriots don't make their schedule. The Patriots have no control over the other team's personnel. Clearly, um, I think part of it is they are just leaps and bounds of he- ahead of everyone else. Bill Belichick has assembled arguably a top five defense, maybe all time. This team has given up, they have a forced seventeen interceptions and they've given up one passing TD all year. Granted, yeah, they haven't played great quarterbacks. But you know what? It's still the NFL. The other team is still being paid to play football. The Patriots don't make their schedule. They just play the people on the schedule. And they're leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. So they make everyone look bad. Because they're the Patriots. And they're the standard that this league has set. One thing I've learned is I'm not going to criticize the Patriots. I'm not going to criticize Belichick. I'm not going to criticize Brady. I'm not going to knock them for anything. Because they continually, every year, do the same thing. They win. They win. Every single year. It doesn't matter what we get on them for. Last year, they felt like they were underdogs. And they rode that into a Super Bowl. And held that awesome Rams offense to three points. And here we are again. Dogging them Well, they haven't played anyone. Who cares? It's not their fault Sam Darnold got mono and missed that game. It's not their fault the Dolphins decided to trade all their best players a week before the season. Tunsil, Fitzpatrick. It's not the Patriots' fault that the Dolphins are deciding to tank, or the Redskins are trying to tank, or that their quarterback got they went with Colt McCoy and Keenum's hurt and Dwayne Haskins clearly isn't ready. And the Redskins fire their coach and they're in disarray again. It's not the Patriots' fault that. The Steelers, week one, were completely a mess, and then their quarterback got hurt the following week. They did play Big Ben, and they made him look not like Big Ben. And as the Patriots' schedule goes on, they have harder teams they got to play. They have a first-place schedule. Let's remember that. Every year you win your division, you play a first-place schedule. So the Patriots this year are playing a first-place schedule. They're playing the AFC North, who, unfortunately, yeah, it's it's probably the worst division in football. But coming into the season, we were looking at it like, wow, AFC North. Look at these rosters. Look at this Steelers roster. Look at this Ravens roster. Look at this Browns roster that's loaded. Coming into the season, we are... Elevating these teams that the Patriots are playing. Patriots have to play Kansas City. Patriots have to play the Texans. But, wait. We were hyping these games up, but now all these teams are flawed? All these teams the Patriots play are flawed? It's not their fault that these teams are tanking. And Buffalo's 5-1. Oh, but they haven't played any quarterbacks. Like I said, it's not their fault these other teams are in disarray. It's not the Patriots' fault that other teams are consistently in disarray. The Patriots are the standard. They are leaps and bounds ahead of every other team. That's why I'm not into the business of criticizing the Patriots. just not into it. You know why? Because every single time you criticize them, they go 14-2, 13-3, they win the division. They win the. They they get a bye. They win two games. They go to the Super Bowl and they win it in the fourth quarter. Every single time. Every single time this happens, I'm not going to be fooled by the Patriots. I don't care what their schedule is. They are 13 and a half point underdogs this week against Cleveland, who I was told before the season starts it should be a Super Bowl caliber team, and they're 13 and a half point favorites. I'm not going to get in the business of criticizing, bashing the Patriots because there's a lot of people that have been made like fools. And I'm already too big of a fool to fall for that. Imagine what that would make me look like then if if I'm over here bashing Belichick and Brady and the Patriots because of their schedule, which they have no control over. If you're going to bash a team for a schedule, you bash college football teams for their schedule. Because they make their schedules in advance, Patriots have no idea their schedule next year is already set. They play an NFC division, they play an AFC division, and then they play the first team winners in the other ones. They their their schedule's set already. Oh well, next year, you know what? The Patriots have to play another AFC team, and they're bad. Like no, Patriots next year. Play the NFC West or the AFC? Is it AFC West? I think so. Oh well. Next year we don't know what the Raiders are going to look like, and oh, Kansas City, oh, they they don't have anyone come back. Get out of here. We're not. I'm not in the business of criticizing the New England Patriots. And for the record, schedule guy is up there with like they haven't played anybody. Guy is up there with being like the worst, almost as worse as Fancy Football Guy. You want to see my fancy football team? Nope, don't care. You want to see this fantasy football team? Nope, don't care. I'm in three leagues. Nope, I don't care. Off oh, my quarterback got two more points, you may... Nope, don't care. Don't care about fancy football, guy. Up there with bracket guy. Hey, oh, my bracket would have been perfect if uh, OSMU would have... No. Oh, if... if um, Stephen F. Austin would have won that twelve seed game. No, five twelve matchup. No, don't get out of here, bracket guy. Jersey guy who wears the team jersey out in public. Don't do that. That's frowned upon. But think about it though. Don't be don't be the schedule guy. Oh, but who haven't they played? They play the they play the teams on their schedule. They have no control or makes them, and every year they go to Winter Bowl. I know they've beat a bunch of playoff teams the last couple years. You know why? Because they're always in the playoffs. Always. So who cares if the front part of their schedule has been soft? They have no control over that. They whoop up on them because they're leaps and bounds better. They're averaging giving up 6.7 points per game. I don't care who is on the other team. They're NFL players and they're being paid to play. Very well. Most impressive of the weekend, though. Don't get me wrong, Patriots were impressive last night. Aaron Rodgers was impressive. There's some, there's some good juju on that team. Not to toot my own horn, I did pick them to win the division, go 12 and 4, and, ha- and get the first seed. I think there's something to this Packer team. I think the talent's been there. But now. I think they just needed a refresher. I don't know if Matt LaFleur is a genius. I don't think he's a genius. I think he's pretty flawed. But there's something to this Packer team getting some new life to them that they haven't had in a long time. Unfortunately, with my great pick of the Green Bay Packers, I also absolutely butchered the NFC South, and I had the Falcons winning the division. And they are going to be um, probably picking top five in the draft next year with the um, with two tankers left with the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Redskins. A pleasant surprise, though, has been um, just the way Aaron Rodgers seems seems rejuvenated. Got a game ball for that old man, as, as Matt LaFleur called him. There's energy in that locker room for probably the first time in a while. Um, I think LaFleur does need to get credit for that and i think this offense is only going to get better it's only going to get better and this nfc i mean the packers have to stay on the pedal they can't lose they got to they got to keep winning these winning these football games the nfc is stacked cuz i mean if you say that the west is going to get two two or maybe three teams in there's no other wild card spots left the saints win the division Cowboys if, if they hold on and win the division. And then the Packers. I mean, the Vikings are five and two. They gotta they can't lose. They gotta stay on it. Seahawks gotta stay on it. They they lost tough one to Baltimore. boy niners are undefeated and their schedule gets harder down the stretch. They're gonna have to stay on it. And then the Rams. There's gonna be a, a team or two that's a good team in the NFC they're not going to make the playoffs the nfc is the exact opposite of the afc whereas the afc has a bunch of low to average teams the nfc is loaded i think the nfc north i think the nfc north every team every team has a pretty good roster Minus the Bears, they don't have a quarterback. Lions are competitive. The NFC East: Cowboys, Eagles. I think they can play with anyone. I think the Eagles. I think the Eagles have to get some get get, get some players back healthy. I think they can play with anyone. Carolina, solid team. Saints can play with anyone. And then look at the NFC West. Every team is at 500 or above, including the Cardinals. Cliff has that team believing. Believing. And he might not have them believing that they're going to win. Or maybe I think he does have them believing they're going to win. Even when they know they're, they're out-rostered. I mean, the NFC West is absolutely stacked. And you have st- they have to start stacking wins. Because there's going to be some good teams in the NFC that do not make the playoffs. We might have a 10-win team not make the playoffs. We might have an 11-win team not make the playoffs. It might be that close. It's something to look, keep looking fo- to- forward to as the season progresses, as we get to the midway point, and as we transition. I've had three trades in the NFL last couple days. Sanders goes to the Emmanuel Sanders goes to, to the 49ers. Uh, Muhammad Sanu goes to the Patriots. And Garyon Conley goes to the Texans. Say what you want about the Houston Texans. They have told you. We're, we are sacrificing draft capital for players that we know can produce. This has been a trend in the NFL for a while. To sacrifice draft capital for a consistent player that you know you can produce. Compared to lottery tickets. Which is essentially what the NFL draft is. Like the Miami Dolphins right now are just... Acquiring as many lottery tickets as they can. Because when you play the lottery, you know that more than likely you're not going to lose, or more than likely you are going to lose. So the Miami Dolphins are just playing the lottery. Okay, well, I'm going to get as many lottery tickets as I can and see if it sticks. That's what the Dolphins are doing. The Texans, the Patriots, the Rams, they've taken a different approach. No. I'm not going to do lottery. It's 50-50. I don't have time for that. Or win now. Go get a guaranteed player that I know can produce. The Rams with Jalen Ramsey. Sure, they gave up a lot of draft capital. They haven't had a first-round pick in years. They're doing fine. They get proven players that they know that can produce. The Patriots give up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu because they desperately need a wide receiver. They know he can produce. I think he's a perfect fit in New England, too. He's a great route runner. He's extremely versatile. He can do a bunch of things on the football field. That's beside the point. There's a lot that this team can do with Muhammad Sanu. Then Emmanuel Sanders, the Niners, I just said, they're in a race. They're in an absolute race to hopefully win that division, but they know that if they slip up, they might be that 10 win team that doesn't make the playoffs. They might be that 10 win team that doesn't make the playoffs. So the Niners can't slip up. They gotta they gotta stay held to the medal. And they, they need a the receiver help. And it's a great pickup. Mayo Sanders has been playing well. And I think well, he's been playing well when the, the Broncos actually used him. I think he was pretty frustrated with his with his targets and I think they were I think they're going in a different direction. Um, they're, they're a 2-5 and five team. I don't think they're a very good team. Um, and I think the Broncos are now in a situation where they have to figure out what they have in Drew Locke. So get something for Emmanuel Sanders. And I I'm, 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 I did bash the Broncos, but they did beat the Titans 16-0, so I can't really bash them too much. But I can um, discuss, you know, they have to find out what Locke is. If they're picking in the top 10 again, they have to find out what Drew Locke is. Because next year's draft is absolutely loaded at quarterback. And John Elway is not in a situation where he can keep Drew Locke, pass on one of these guys, unless he is absolutely for sure he's the guy it's it's a fascinating dilemma that John Elway has put himself yet again because he continues to draft quarterbacks and doesn't know what he has with them it's 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 honestly fascinating john elway's arguably top 3 quarterback all time definitely top 5 but he continues to not be able to evaluate that position now drew lock comes off ir soon i think this week um and we'll see what he has we'll see what he can do i'm skeptical um, and I think Joe Flacco hasn't been completely the wrong answer, but he's a center block in the back there. I mean, he doesn't move. Pass rushers know exactly where he's going to be every time he snaps. every time he gets the ball snapped. And so it's going to be a, it's a fascinating decision as, as the season plays out. And as we move forward, um, we're going to end with some picks. Um, I have two picks and, um, That I absolutely love. Love. Once tonight, Lakers minus three and a half. Sorry, minus three and a half. Absolutely love this pick. Clippers have a majority of, uh, largely a new roster. Paul George isn't playing. Kawhi fitting in. The balance, um, the chemistry, how's that going to work? And I get LeBron. But I get LeBron minus three and a half. And not only do I get LeBron. I get a motivated LeBron. I get a first game something to prove LeBron. I get a Anthony Davis. With first game in Laker uniform. Something to prove Anthony Davis. With a bunch of guys who say that all this. They don't have a good enough bench. They don't have Lakers minus three and a half tonight. Book it. Last one. I told you I wasn't in the business of criticizing the New England Patriots. And I think they win Sunday. Okay? But you bet numbers, not teams. You look at numbers, you don't look at the team. Okay? The Browns plus 13.5 is too much. It's just too much. 8.5, 9.5, I'll take New England. But almost two touchdowns to a Browns team off a of bye who is motivated in a in a big spot where they haven't performed this year and they have two weeks to get ready for one game. they're two and four and this is their this might be their Super Bowl. I think this is a huge game for Cleveland and we New England on a short week with the team coming off a of bye. It makes too much sense right here. It The line just doesn't make too much sense, and it makes too much sense to take Cleveland. Plus 13. I think the Patriots win 30-20. Uh, to 20. I think they're clearly a better team. Um, I think that the Browns are going to move the ball and score because of the talent that they have. Um, but it's too many points. 30-20, maybe that's too many points to give up for New England. Maybe the final score is something like 23-13. Yeah, let's go with that, 23-13. But um, I think 13.5 points is too many. Too many points for this team. Too many points. 23-13, Browns cover. Lock it in right now. Lock it in. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this thing up. Thank you for joining us for another episode. First episode in a long time. Been super busy um, of The Last Burn. We're going to hopefully have this podcast up and running every single Tuesday. It should be out. Um, as always, um, find us on Anchor, um, on Twitter, at Peak Shea, um, and We can keep this podcast up and going. If you have any questions, um, any messages, send them via Anchor. Um, um, teespring you can always hop on and support with a t-shirt but we always appreciate your support appreciate you listening and let us know what you think good night